You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, January 27th. Coming up this hour. Intel shares plunge after one of the gloomiest forecasts in its history. Hasbro is the latest company to slash jobs. Republicans may be willing to raise the debt ceiling temporarily. And Japan and the Netherlands move closer to joining the U.S. on China chip restrictions. A guilty verdict for the man who killed eight people along a New York bike path. Plus, cities brace for the video release of Memphis officers in a deadly beating. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. Thrilling overtime win for the Knicks in Boston. The Nets lost to Detroit. The Devils lost in Nashville. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Let's begin with an earnings disappointment from Intel. The shares are down more than 9% after the downbeat results. Let's get the latest live from Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Intel's out with a forecast that's one of the worst in the chipmaker's history, predicting a gross margin of 37% for this quarter. Despite that outlook, CEO Pat Gelsinger says the company remains focused on the big picture. I want to remind everyone that we are on a multi-year journey. We remain focused on the things that are within our control as we navigate short-term headwinds while executing to our long-term strategy. Gelsinger adding he thinks momentum will stabilize this year. Live from New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Steve, thank you. Well, disappointing earnings are also taking a toll on Hasbro this morning. Shares of the toy maker are down more than 5%. And Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet reports Hasbro is cutting 15% of its workforce. That's 11,000 jobs, and it comes after a disappointing holiday shopping season. The company also projected it will fall short of fourth-quarter adjusted profit estimates. The company said while its digital gaming business, including Dungeons & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, perform well, its traditional toy business faltered. Changes to its business plan are expected to result in charges of about $300 million. As part of the changes, President Eric Nyman is leaving the company. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Another corporate story this morning centers on Bed Bath & Beyond. The struggling retailer is moving closer to bankruptcy. We get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. 
In a filing on Thursday, the retailer said it received a default notice from J.P. Morgan Chase after breaching the terms of its credit line. But Bed Bath & Beyond warned it didn't have enough funds. The company listed around $2.1 billion of obligations it owed as of November. One analyst said the likelihood of a bankruptcy filing within the next 30 days is relatively high. Earlier, Bloomberg reported the company has begun speaking with potential lenders on funding the firm during bankruptcy proceedings. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. Well, turning to the markets now, U.S. futures are lower as we close out the trading week. At the same time, the S&P 500 is coming off its highest close since early December. Patrick Palfrey is senior equity strategist at Credit Suisse. I think the equity picture right here actually looks pretty good. I mean, we've seen the market rally almost 11% since the end of September. We're up 4.5% year-to-date. And really, that's in response to the fact that we are having interest rates come in, credit spreads are narrowing, uh, and the VIX is falling. That is a good backdrop for risk. Credit Suisse senior equity strategist Patrick Palfrey is also watching the Fed. He sees two more rate hikes coming from the central bank, followed by a pause. Well, a key inflation report for the Fed comes out this morning, Karen. December's personal consumption expenditure prices are forecast to be unchanged, while the core rate rises three-tenths. We get more on the upcoming inflation report from Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. The data should continue a string of good news on inflation. Falling energy prices and holiday discounts to clear merchandise will put downward pressure on the Fed's favorite price index. And the year-over-year change in both headline PCE and core are likely to come in softer than Fed officials had forecast. The income and spending numbers may not be as cheerful, with incomes barely rising and spending set to drop. Retail sales were down in December. The report will tell us whether that meant more was spent on services or whether consumers simply pulled back. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thank you. Well, turning to Washington now, there may be some movement in the fight over the debt ceiling. Bloomberg News has learned House Republicans are considering a short-term increase until September 30th. That would allow more time to negotiate with Democrats, though it's not clear whether they're open to it. Republican Congressman Dusty Johnson of South Dakota says this issue will get resolved. What we're getting is a credit card bill, and it is a whopper. And I get it. We have to pay the credit card bill. We absolutely should not default on our debt. But when a company gets that credit card bill show up in the mail, it is exactly the right time for them to sit down and have a family conversation about how do they get the spending under control. Congressman Dusty Johnson spoke with our Washington correspondent Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Sound On. Catch the show weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio or subscribe to the Bloomberg Sound On podcast. Turning to geopolitics, Karen, the U.S. is limiting China's access to advanced semiconductor equipment, and now Japan and the Netherlands are poised to do the same. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia anchor Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. Sources say the three countries are on the verge of forging a powerful alliance. It will undercut China's ambitions to build its own ship capabilities. Bloomberg's Edwin Chan says it would be a black eye for China. This would be a significant victory for the Biden administration. It's something that the U.S. could not have done alone, uh, contain China's chip ambitions if key allies such as the Netherlands and Japan refused to participate. The talks could conclude as soon as today. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak. 
It's 36 degrees in Central Park. It's going to be partly sunny and cool today with highs in the low 40s. We'll get back down to the low 30s tonight under a partly cloudy sky. Time now to look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael Varr. Good morning, Nathan. New York City, along with other major cities across the nation, are bracing for tonight's video release of a confrontation with Memphis police officers accused in the beating death of a 29-year-old black motorist earlier this month. The five fired officers have been charged with murder and and other crimes in the killing of Tyree Nichols. All of the officers are black. Last night, a vigil was held for Nichols. His mother, Rovon Wells, told the crowd to be peaceful when the video is released. I don't want us burning up our cities, tearing up the streets, because that's not what my son stood for. Officials say the video will show the entire fateful encounter from beginning to end. A New York lawyer has been sentenced from the George Floyd protests in 2020. A judge ordered Collinford Mattis to spend a year and a day in prison and pay just over $30,000 to the NYPD for the firebombing of a police car. Mattis and Yuruj Rahman were arrested as demonstrations and protests rage over the killing of Floyd at the hands of police in Minneapolis. Rahman was sentenced in November to 15 months in prison. An Islamic extremist who killed eight people with a speeding truck in the 2017 rampage on the West Side Highway bike path has been convicted of federal charges and could face the death penalty. Jurors in a Manhattan courtroom found Saipolo Saipov guilty. The jury will return to court no earlier than February 6th to decide whether Saipov should be executed. New York Mayor Eric Adams vowed in his State of the City address to increase the number of police and hold drivers accountable. Adams also says he wants to get repeat offenders off the streets. He reflected on his first year in office. We hit the ground running and we got stuff done. One year later, our city's on the pathway to being safer, our economy is recovering, and our stores, subways, and hotels are full. Mayor Adams says the state of the city is strong. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. Thanks, Nathan. The Knicks, best win of the season in Boston. Celtics have the NBA's best record, and they jumped in front by 15. Knicks blew a fourth-quarter lead. That's happened a lot, but they rallied in overtime. Big three-pointer by R.J. Barrett. Julius Randle's two free throws put him ahead. Knicks won 120-117. to 117. Randle scored 37. Jalen Brunson had 29. Knicks continue to be better on the road than at home. It's their 15th road win. Only the Celtics have more. The Nets began a stretch of home games, losing to Detroit 130-122. to 122. They clearly miss Kevin Durant. Nets have lost six of their last eight. Devils lost at Nashville 6-4, only the third time this season they've allowed that many goals. Novak Djokovic playing his Australian Open semifinal match right now, and he leads American Tommy Paul 7-5-3 love. Earlier, a semifinal win in four sets for Stefano Tsitsipas. Two NFL head coaches fired during the season. Got new jobs. Frank Reich lost his job at Indianapolis, but hired by Carolina, and Nathaniel Hackett fired in Denver and he's now the offensive coordinator of the Jets. Conference Championship Sunday begins in the NFC in Philadelphia. Eagles, 49ers, the AFC game, a rematch from last year when Joe Burrow led Cincinnati to a comeback overtime win at Kansas City. Can Burrow and the Bengals do it again? We've been in these spots 
Um, we have the experience. We know what team we're playing. Team that's been to this this game the last five seasons, and they've all been in that stadium. So, to me, they're still the team to beat. And then we're coming for them, but we know it's going to be tough. Burrow, in the last two years, has won three playoff road games. Longtime college basketball analyst Billy Packer has died. He was 82. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher-level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. At the end of a big week for big tech earnings, the focus this morning is on Intel and the disappointment from the chipmaker. The shares are down 9% after one of the gloomiest quarterly forecasts in Intel's history. Bloomberg Quick Take correspondent Alex Webb is back with us this morning for more on the earnings and the overall chip story. Alex, good morning. How big a surprise was it that uh, Intel came out with this forecast that was something like at least $2.5 billion lower than the uh, average estimate? It certainly was a bit of a sideswipe. The market was not anticipating good news, but... The scope of the miss was quite considerable. The uh, consensus had been for uh, first quarter sales of $14 billion. Intel's projecting it's going to be between 10.5 and 11.5. That would make it you know, you know, the lowest in some 20 years or certainly 10 years or so. So it's um, a bit a sizable blow. The hope is then that th- some analyst commentary this morning that they're front-loading a lot of the bad news and just saying we're going to take a painful quarter and with the hope that they rebound a bit in the second half. Is this just an Intel story, or does this say something more about the overall outlook for the tech sector? I mean, we've been talking for quite some time about how a lot of these mega-cap names are in retrenchment mode after the pandemic and trying to cut costs. There's clearly are broader issues in the tech sector. Of course, you know there is a lot of the tech sector encompasses a lot of very different businesses. You know, online advertising is not the same as chip making. But uh, we have seen that the personal computing business, and that's what's really hurting Intel right now, that is clearly not going terribly well. So that obviously has implications for Dell, for parts of Apple's business, um, and others besides. But also some of the chip making peers like AMD and NVIDIA, who don't have quite the the problems that Intel might do, but they're likely to see some some similar effects in in the most recent quarters. Well, what is the issue, Alex, uh, for uh, Intel that's holding it back? Why is it that uh, we're seeing this sort of slowdown in uh, uh, PC sales in particular that's affecting Intel? A lot of spending got front-loaded during the pandemic, so it's a combination of two factors. You know, as people had to work from home more, they needed a better computing setup, so people bought laptops, companies bought laptops, and and, clearly some desktops as well. But there was also a little bit more disposable income floating around. Some people, um, you know, had more money during the pandemic. Not everybody, by any stretch of the imagination, and that meant that they were able to buy new gear. Now, as personal finances become a little bit more straightened, uh, and frankly, a lot of people already have these new laptops, uh, there isn't as much demand, and so there's quite a lot of inventory sitting around in warehouses uh, from from 
personal computing companies. So, so that's really compounding what's already not a terribly happy ship at Intel, who that has been you know Intel's been hemorrhaging market share to TSMC, the big contract manufacturer of semiconductors, uh, and is in the middle of a huge strategic pivot to try to catch up. And even before these earnings came out, Alex, you know, the uh, CEO of Intel, Pat Gelsinger, has been uh, talking for uh, quite some time about a multi-year turnaround plan that he's trying to implement at Intel. When you have an outlook like this, does that raise some doubts for investors about whether that multi-year plan is working? You know, he was reminding people on the call uh, that it is a multi-year plan, asking for more patience. Uh, it clearly is, particularly in a, in a space like semiconductors, where the innovation cycles, uh, you know, over quite a long time frame, you know, b- between each new generation of chips, the time it takes to get new new fabs, that's the sort of factories, essentially, for semiconductors, the time it takes to get them online is considerable. What I- Intel is doing is trying to pivot towards contract manufacturing. So, the contract manufacturing is, you know, Apple makes or Apple designs chips, for instance, that go into its iPhones. It does not make them. It contracts that out to TSMC in Taiwan. Intel is trying to get into that business so that it can um, you know, try and offset the, chain, the, the, the declines it's seeing elsewhere. That is a multi-year project and a huge, significant change that can't happen overnight. In our last minute here, Alex, uh, of course, there was a lot of investment expected from the uh, Chips and Science Act that was passed in Washington last year. Can Intel count on support from that? Yes, and we're seeing uh, plans to open new facilities, for example, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, it's $50 billion of spending that is coming from the government. There is a huge bun fight uh, right now between the various chip makers, and not just American chip makers, to get a piece of that. It's going to go into uh, subsidizing new manufacturing facilities, to training um, new engineers, to getting into some of the underlying technology. It is partly a play to reduce dependence on Taiwan. And when we think about reduced dependence on Taiwan, a lot of that is TSMC. So it is, in the long term, something that could and should benefit Intel. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+. Plus.